verses 1 through 10 as we stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Exodus 2, 1 through 10. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child and put him in the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent a female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the, ba- saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This one is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to take her. Take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and said he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for our mothers and what they mean to us. I pray you would help us to uh, honor them today, but Father, also hear a message from you. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Today I want you to think of the idea, a portrait of a mother of faith. It was very appropriate that we sang faith of our mothers, but a portrait of a mother of faith. A father came home from work after a hard day, and he drove up in the driveway, and as soon as he drove up, he saw his three young children were sitting out in the front yard in, with a hose and a pile of mud that they had been playing in, apparently, for quite some time. But he also noticed the side his wife's car door was open, and it was just sitting there in the driveway. All scattered around the driveway and everywhere else were toys and stuff of all sorts of manner, and the front door was open. And so he thought, oh, no, you know, maybe she's sick. And so he ran inside. As he went inside, clothes were strewn all over the, everywhere. The TV was on. Cartoons were blaring. Uh, the family room was littered with toys and additional clothing from the children. He went to the kitchen, and the food from this morning was there in the sink and all over the, uh, all over the kitchen. The dog food was all over the floor. The cat food was all over the floor. Now he's getting concerned, and so he, he goes upstairs, and he, when he gets upstairs, he looks into the master bedroom, and there is his wife in her pajamas reading a book. She looks up at him and says, did you have a nice day, dear? And he, he said, what, what, what's going on? What happened today? She said, you know, every day when you come home and ask, what in the world have you been doing all day? Today I didn't do it. <laughs> Thank you for mothers, Amen. I believe that the Bible teaches through examples and stories like that of Moses' mother that the ultimate purpose of a family, and especially a mother, is to instill within a child a love for God, a faith in God. Two additional verses in the Bible mention Moses' mother. One is in Numbers 26, 59, and the name of Abram's wife was Jochebed the daughter of Levi, whom she bare to Levi in Egypt, and she bare him Amram, Aram, and Moses, and Miriam, their sister. And then Hebrews in 11.23 says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I, I, I think there 
is something obviously very special about Mother's Day. Mothers are near and dear to our hearts. And I like to remind us and mothers that we appreciate them and want to remind you that you should say that you do today is the day to do it. But today's message is not just about how to be a good mother. It's not really about that. It's a worship service, isn't it? And so we're not just talking about mothers. Uh, We're talking about a message that God would have to share with us today. I think as you look at Jochebed, you see that she had some hard choices to make. We have hard choices today to make as well, don't we? We're wrestling with things in our society and within our own home. And being a mother and a father is not a a job that is for the faint of heart. It is for someone who can make tough decisions, someone who can make risky decisions, someone who can make heart-wrenching decisions. Firstly, I want you to think of this. Jochebed is a finely drawn portrait of a mother of faith. First of all, Jochebed is a finely drawn portrait of a mother of faith. I think I want you to reflect on the story of of this woman who we've mentioned, who we read there in Exodus 2 and then Hebrews. And as we read about her, despite her low profile, I mean, she's not front and center. She's always to the side, it seems. And when you think of the story of Moses... And yet, despite that low profile, she winds up in Hebrews in the section that is called the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. People who exhibited a great amount of faith in God. And so when you see her in Hebrews 23, or you go back to Numbers and you look at her name, uh, she was Moses' mother and she was a woman of faith. The background of the story is that for some 400 years... The Israelites had been in Egypt. And as they were in Egypt, they were prolific in in their growth. They grew more and more. And as they grew more and more in population, they became a threat to Pharaoh. And so what Pharaoh did is have the midwives murder the male Hebrew babies right after they were born. Well, that didn't turn out too well for him. They weren't really trying to do that. And so many of them lived. And finally what he did is he turned to the citizenry as as a whole and said, if you see a Hebrew baby, male, take it and throw it in the river and stand there until it drowns in the Nile. Can you imagine living in such a society? I would tell you that maybe we do live in such a society if we think about the abortion rate in America. But when you look at that, it must have been a scary thing for them to, to see. I, 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 I can't imagine the worry on Jochebed's face. She didn't have to worry about her older children. They were already grown, and that was not an issue. They would not be killed. But now she's pregnant with Moses. And any patriotic Egyptian with a bad attitude could have stolen her baby and thrown it in the Nile. I cannot imagine, again, what that must have felt like. Can you think of the fear? What was it like to be her? I I think of people in our world today, especially mothers in Africa, whose children are stolen away from them and forced to become part of children, armies, children, soldiers. Many 
people talk about <clears throat> the the soldiers there's a kid that's 10 or 12 years old and they're holding an automatic rifle and they've been forced into service they've been stolen away from their families or the young daughters who were stolen and forced into a sex slave type operation as well in Africa they look for them and steal them it's it's very challenging to be a mother in our world today I could say that nobody threatens our children here in America. I mean, we don't have to worry about that. They're not going up and down the streets stealing children from us. But yet there's still threats. As you look at television today, you notice promiscuity and violence is rampant on every television set and every phone that you can look at anything. There is confusion and lines between what is right and what is wrong. When we look at our nation, even the politicians do not lead us in, in a godly direction. What do we do? How do we live? When we look at our culture, it's so competitive that it's not about character. It's about performance. As long as I get the job done, it doesn't really matter how I got there. It's not what the Bible tells us. But that's what we live in. It is a dangerous world in which Jochebed found herself and her baby Moses. And what she did to save her child was an act of faith. She depended totally on the fullness of God to help her in her moment of need. Second, I think Jochebed had a courageous faith. When you look at Jochebed's faith, she was courageous. Again, listen to the passage of Scripture that I read before. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. They weren't afraid. She was courageous. Though the king said all male Hebrew babies had to be thrown into the Nile, Jochebed and her husband disobeyed the king. They didn't listen. And they hid Moses for three months, the Bible says. That takes courage. To go against the nation in which you live, knowing what the result might be. Can you imagine how hard it was to hide an infant for three months? I can't imagine trying to hide an infant for three months. When our first daughter was born, Teresa and I were 22 years old. And when that... that bundle was born you know she went through some times where she had high temperature and we'd run her to the emergency room and they'd do all their stuff and cool her down and run her home we went back two or three times and finally said you know you could probably do this if you put her in the bathtub she'd be fine you know and just cool her down but her temperature would spike and we were afraid and she was kind of cranky I couldn't have hid her it wouldn't have been possible to hide her with that going on and yet somehow, Jochebed was able to hide her child. It didn't make noise. She was successful in hiding Moses. Often we think of faith as a passive thing, sort of like let go and let God. I, I understand that, that we believe in God, we're going to trust in him. But I don't believe faith is as passive. I believe faith is an active thing. Faith is something that calls us sometimes to do risky things. And that's exactly what happened to Jochebed. I think of the mothers who have been able to 
unable to conceive and have decided to to adopt a child. That is a challenge and that is a risk many times. You do not know the health of that child. I have some friends. As a matter of fact, they are part of the Green family in Hobby Lobby. And they could not have. She's approximately younger, uh, youngest one of my daughters her age. And they adopted three children. And the risk that was involved in that, one of the children had to go back home to their country. It didn't work out. And how heartbreaking that was for that family for that to happen. Those type of things that, that happened to families, the courageous acts of faith. The women whose husbands are not believers in Christ and who, despite their husband's wishes, expose the child to the things of God and do what a godly woman should do. That is a risky thing. I think of mothers who give up lucrative careers to come home and to be what's called a housewife. But yet, they believe it was more important to raise their children in that way. Or the mother who cannot come home and do that and works and still does it to raise godly children. A risky thing to do. And yet, they do it. They do it to please God. They don't do it to please their friends or their husband or even their children. They do it to please God. They know it's the right thing to do. And so they put their faith in God and do it. They trust God. They're obedient. And even in the face of threatening circumstances from the outside or even within the home, they believe that God will take care of them and the child they're trying to raise. When I look at her faith, I'm amazed at that, how it's courageous. Third, I think of Jochebed, and I look at her, and I see that she had a sensible faith, a sensible faith. After three months of hiding Moses, uh, the writing was on the wall. She and her husband are eventually probably going to get caught. How much longer can you hide a baby? Can you hide a toddler? Somebody would figure out what the age of the baby was and turn them in and then throw that baby into the Nile. And so she made a wicker basket, the Bible says, and covered it with tar and pitch and made it float and put it in the reeds of the Nile River. It's interesting that the word that's used for basket is the same word that's used for Noah's Ark. And Noah's Ark was also covered with tar and pitch so that it would float. It became a boat of safety, and so did that small basket for Moses. Like Moses, Noah, they both were in an ark, an ark of safety. And they were safe from the elements. They weren't at the mercy of them. They were safe from them. The Nile was known for crocodiles. I mean, that, you, you look at the, uh, the pictures inside of, of tombs and you'll notice they have pictures of crocodiles in the river Nile. And so it wasn't as if it wasn't dangerous. But if you look and see what she did, Jochebed was not careless. What did she do? She was sensible. She didn't just send him down the river and said, good luck, I hope it all works out. But she placed him in the reeds, 
this is a place where women would come down. You, you can imagine, like, here's the river, and, if, and you've seen the pictures of, uh, probably of Egypt and Africa and places like that. We're down by the river. The animals go down and look around and, and quietly try to get a drink, and the next thing you know, their head's snapped up by, by a crocodile, and they're taken away. But in the reeds, it's difficult to do that. Imagine, if you will, the reeds sticking up, all these different plants the, that are sticking up in the water. And if a crocodile was to come into the reeds, what would happen? Well, you can imagine, you would begin to see the reeds shifting and moving, and you would know that there was something there. Or you would see a place that was flattened out, and you would know that an alligator or crocodile, rather, was there. And so it was the safe place to put Moses. It, it would be equivalent today of taking a baby and putting it on the steps of a hospital or the steps of a fire department. You're saying, I can't care for this baby. I'm putting it here so that someone else will. It was a sensible thing to do. And she didn't just leave him there. She also put his sister there, right? And here's Miriam watching from the background, watching in the reeds, looking over her child, wanting to know what happened. Jochebed was clever. She was sensible in her planning. Part of being sensible is knowing how to improve uh, and improvise on the spot, knowing how to be flexible in the situation. I uh, read a story about a lady who had, was having her daughter's wedding. And, you know, a, a lot of times they'll have that part where the mothers will come up and there'll be candelabras on either side. And the mom will come up and she'll light one side of the candelabra and the other mother will light the other side of the candelabra. And then somewhere in the ceremonies, the husband and the wife will take a candle and light from either side and put in one big candle in the center and now these two families have come together so you get the picture you've probably seen something like that at a wedding well the mom one mom was coming up to light her side of the candle and she had those acrylic fingernails that she had gotten for the for the wedding and they're sticking out rather long and you're you understanding what happens she lights it and in lighting it her fingertip lights and so she lights the candelabras and goes, <laughs> now there's some mother who improvised on the spot. And you can imagine a black fingernail was the discussion of uh, the party afterwards. I mean, that's a mom. That's somebody who doesn't panic and takes into account what needs to happen. That's a funny story of a mother with sensibility. But sensibility is required if you're going to be a mom. It's far more consequential than we may give it credit for. The ability to adapt for those, for some women who've made the decision to have children, is an enormous amount of faith. I know my mother herself had just one child, and the reason was physically she could not have any more children. It was a risk to have a child to begin with. Some people make that decision and decide again to stay at home and deal with finances that might be a problem. Or they find a way to live at home and maybe have a godly aunt or a grandmother or someone to stagger and care for that child. They plan it out so that it can happen. That's sensibility. And that's what some mothers do. She had a sensible faith. Four, Jacobed's courageous, sensible faith, I believe in the Bible, was rewarded. 
It's a wonderful story when you look through Jochebed's courage and her sensible faith. It, it really gets rewarded by God. As Moses floats on the bank of the Nile, there in the reeds, you know what it says, that here he is, he's crying, and then uh, someone sees it, goes down to the bank, has pity on the baby. Pharaoh's daughter is there. And what a, what a twist, what an occurrence. Only thing, something God could work out. Miriam runs up and says, hey, do you need a wet nurse? Uh, you one of the Hebrew ladies? Well, that would be perfect. Sneak, 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 mom. <laughs> Here you go. And not only that, she got paid. Isn't that great, ladies? Do they ever pay you for doing your job as a mom? Probably not. But here she did, and it was just the right time and just the right way she was rewarded. Surely you can see God's hand in this. Can't you? The mother did what she could. She couldn't have done any more on her own. And Pharaoh's daughter, who her dad had chosen to become an instrument of death, she became an instrument of salvation to Moses and his mother. A member of Pharaoh's own family. It's interesting to look at that. To think about how Jochebed was placed together so that she could care for her own child. And then here Moses spends his youth in Pharaoh's court where he learns the law. He learns rhetoric. He learns mathematics. He learns hieroglyphs. He learns the acts of war and how to fight a battle. It says in Acts 7.22. And then Moses with all that knowledge, led two million people out of Egypt. He was trained to do that. Is it any wonder when you look back at the passage of Scripture, they saw he was a special child, an important child, a child of worth. All children are of worth and have value. I like what it says. Did you notice that God was never mentioned directly in the verses that we read there in Exodus, but still we know God is at work, right? It's in his word. It's a story about Moses. It's the background of what it was. We understand that ultimately she had to leave it in God's hands and trust him. That's the hardest thing, isn't it? To let go. A mother's love never changes, but parenthood constantly is a process of letting your child go to make mistakes, letting a teenager to learn something the hard way, letting an adult to follow God's call, even if it means that that child will be a thousand miles away in a foreign country. Mothers, take heart. Your courage and your sensible faith has purpose. It has meaning. It is there for a reason. He will use you, but... He won't use you up. He will allow you to be a part of his plan and his purpose if you will trust him. I think it's interesting when I look at that passage of scripture, the words that are used. You, you look at the words, uh, Jochebed saw that Moses was beautiful, it says in the Bible. Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket, saw the child crying, had pity on him. And his sister was in the wings and knew, it says, and took notice of what happened in that time. All of that, I think, foreshadows something that would soon happen to the people of Israel later in the chapter. Now God is mentioned. And here's what it says. God looks 
upon his people who were suffering. We're told in verse 25, God saw the same word, the sons of Israel, and God took notice, the same word, of them. I think you could say that it is God who put the motherly instinct in mothers of the world. If you can think of God acting in a motherly way, caring for. I mean, the Bible talks about a picture how he, he wraps us in himself as a hen would its brood of chicks. So we do have the Bible insinuating that God has a motherly sense to him. And when he draws us into himself. God has put the instincts within you to see the worth of your children and that ultimately you need to turn them over to Jesus, the death and burial and resurrection that will ultimately save them. He is our ark now, is he not? There was the ark, there was the basket, and now there's Jesus. In him, we're saved. And that's what you as mothers direct your children to, a saving faith. You'll exhibit courage, you'll exhibit, exhibit sense, but you will also show them the way and tell them of Jesus. Someone once turned to a, a housewife and in a smart way knew what she did, but said, um, what, what do you do again for a living? You know, you know those people, right? <laughs> Here's what the mom said. I loved it. I am socializing two homo sapiens into dominant values of judo Deo Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments of transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God wields from the beginning of creation. And what is it you do? You're not just a housewife. You're not just a mom. You are someone who is printing on children the faith of God, leading them to a saving faith. Your ultimate purpose is to foster courage, is to foster sensibility, is to foster a love of God in your children. I saw my mom yesterday. I'm still her little boy. I'm 65 years old, and I'm still her little boy. I'll never not be her little boy, right? And she still worries about me. I mean, I worry about her now as, as an elderly person. She's broken her hip. She, you know, I, I went and took her flowers and we helped plant those. And, and you know, she's worried. No, oh, don't bend over. That might hurt your back. And it's like, Mom, <laughs> you know, at what point they don't quit caring. They don't quit loving. That's part of being a mom. But... As I end with this hopefully funny story, son calls her mom and says, Mom, how are you doing? Well, not too well. What's wrong? I'm feeling really weak. Well, why are you feeling weak? I haven't eaten in 23 days. What? what, 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 what have you seen the doctor about? I don't need to go to the doctor. I know why I'm not eating. Well, what's the reason? Why haven't you eaten? Well, I haven't wanted to have food in my mouth for 23 days because if my son called, I wanted to speak with him. 
call your mom today. She might be starving. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for the story of Jochebed. We look at her story and we are amazed. Amazed that someone had the faith to go against the king's edict, to trust in you, to use what skill and ability she had to help her child be raised to trust in you. She used her skill and ability in her family to help them see his purpose in life. He had a plan for Moses, you did, and helped her to see it through. Courageous, sensible, instilling the love of God within her child in the midst of a brutal society. Father, today we turn to you and ask you to help us as parents to do the same thing. To be courageous, to be sensible, and to instill within those around us a love of God in a society that does not love God, does not care for him. We trust you today. We honor mothers today. We thank you for those who have been our mothers. They may not have been our biological mothers. They may have been adopted, we may have. Or maybe we were raised by an aunt or a grandmother or even someone who's not even related by blood but chose to do that because it was the right thing to do. Thank you for those women who nurtured us and gave us a love of God. We pray in your holy name. Amen.